Okay. I wanted to review what we had discussed yesterday. Because I think that's important since we forget about 93% of what we hear, at least that's what we're told. And, and whatever you review, as if you review it as soon as you can, within 24 hours, it's really, it really makes a huge difference. Okay. So, the particular verse is kind of the culmination of what we were discussing yesterday is 2.1.16. Mitavan Sankhya Yoghabhyam Sudharmash Parinishthaya Janma Karma, excuse me, Janma Labha Param Pungcham Ante Dharayana Smritihi. The highest perfection of human life, achieved either by complete knowledge of matter and spirit, by practice of mystic powers, or by the perfect discharge of occupational duty, is to remember the personality of Godhead at the end of life. So, last night, well, it wasn't last night, it was the afternoon. The afternoon is my night, I'm off schedule, so I, I fall asleep like, I fell asleep at four o'clock to take an hour nap and woke up like midnight and very exhausted and off schedule. Um, but before that, I was, I was searching this statement at the time of death. And there was so much coming up. I, I just looked at a few references that Prabhupada gave. At the time of death, at the time of death. Remember Krishna at the time of death. So it became very clear as one of the main themes of Krishna consciousness is to remember Krishna at the time of death. And then as, so that's the final exam, that's the goal, that's the direction we're going. And then as we said yesterday, well, how can you do that unless you've practiced? And so we talked a little bit about the concept of practice. Um, and you get, obviously, we know you get good at what you practice. And oftentimes, we would talk to people, especially in India, who would say, well, I'm very busy with my life, but in the end, I want to retire and then be Krishna conscious. And we would often say, you spend your whole life in material activities, it's going to be difficult. And then Prabhupada quotes Prahlad Maharaj's start in the beginning. Don't start at the end. Start when you're a student, Brahmachari. And so we, may, we made that point because Prabhupada made that point over and over again. That you have to practice. What you're trying to do, you're going to need to practice this because when you leave your body, as we mentioned yesterday, that's a traumatic experience for most people. And, and right now, coronavirus, everyone's, Everyone who is alive, not everyone, many people are panicking. They're going to stores, they're thinking, oh, the sky's falling, buying everything they can, and maybe I'll get the virus, maybe I'll die, and so forth. And we're panicking, and we're not even dead, and we're not even dying yet. We, you know, most people don't have the virus. Most people don't even know anyone who has the virus, at least here in America. And so we were discussing how panicky we get, and what to speak of when we leave our body, that's like going to be a greater panic. And if we can't even manage 
here to be Krishna conscious, then what about at the time of death? And an interesting, the interesting phenomenon of sometimes things get so difficult. The first thing we should think of in difficulty is Krishna, just like Kunti even prayed for difficulty because it, it helped her in her Krishna consciousness and Krishna would appear when there was difficulty, but often that's the first thing we forget in difficulty. And we gave the example of the parrot who can chant, Ore Krishna, but when he's in difficulty, ah, ah, ah. So we're sometimes a little bit like that, that, you know, everything's nice and, you know, Hare Krishna, and I'm so happy, and then things are difficult. Why are Krishna doing this to me? And Or sometimes it's difficult and we, we forget Krishna. We're just like, like, I know devotees, and I don't understand why, but when things get difficult, they stop chanting their rounds. Hmm, that's interesting response. And so Prabhupada saying, no, this is a practice we have to do throughout our lives, so at the time of death, we're practiced. And just recently, a devotee had an experience. He took some medicine, and it had such an effect on her that she actually thought she was going to leave her body. She was convinced she was leaving her body. And that was obviously an interesting experience. And I was half joking with her, and I said, well, now you have practice. So when it actually happens, you've already practiced once. And I, I conceptualized once that we should, we should create a virtual simulation of leaving our body, like imagine what it would be like and, and try to go through the emotions and experiences and the meditations we'd have to have. So it wouldn't be, so when it actually happens, we'd be more prepared for it because you can prepare in your mind for something. You don't actually have to do it. You can, you can practice in your mind. And so, you know, in some sects, I think as Buddhists, they meditate on dying, they meditate on skeletons, they meditate on these things. It's not our process. But at the same time, we were saying yesterday that meditating on death is not something that we normally want to do. But it's so interesting, in our scriptures, Bhagavatam, it's in Gita, Yam Yam Bhapi Smarambam, it's, it's talking about preparing for death. There's so much discussion about preparing for death. Now, an interesting question came up at the end, and I didn't have time to really, it was, well, it was like 9.30 and we had to end, and I didn't have time to do it justice. And before I continue, I want to do this question justice, because it was a really important question. And so the question came up about, well, there's, there's the shloka, and I'm going to sing it for you later. It's your lucky day. You get to sing this shloka of King Kulikshakar. And King Kulikshakar, he was praying, okay, now I'm healthy. Krishna, I'm thinking of you. So if I could just die now, that would be fantastic. And then that would be the perfection. Krishna Tudiya Parapankacharantam. We'll sing that later. Don't go away. We'll sing it later. So, so the devotee was asking, well, is, is that actually what we want to do? Because we also hear that we should never ask Krishna for anything. And then I told the story of 
Rupa Goswami cooking sweet rice for Sanatan, and, and the sweet rice was so special that he asked Rupa, where'd you get this rice and milk? He said, oh, some young girl. And then Sanatan said, that could not have been some young girl. This sweet rice is not of this world. That must have been Radharani. And this is so bad, you've taken service from Radharani. And then Prabhupada at one time said, a devotee, even if he's starving, he won't ask Krishna. And then Madhavendra Puri, same thing. He didn't ask, he didn't have anything to eat, but he didn't ask Krishna. And Krishna came, little coward boy, and came and gave him milk. So, but then commentary on this story of Madhavendra Puri says he shouldn't even have accepted the milk. He didn't ask. Um, uh, and so then the story of Sanatana and Rupa was quoted that. We don't even want, we never want to accept service from Krishna. So then the question came up, but I'm praying, Krishna, save me. I've fallen in this ocean. Place me as that I'm at your lotus feet. Is that really that Mahaprabhu is praying for liberation? No, he's not. He's praying to always be Krishna conscious and, and be at your feet means always serve you, follow you. So, so now we get confused because if you go to the Gita, Prabhupada says, we should hear about the descriptions of the spiritual world. We should become attracted to those descriptions. We should want to get out of the material world, which philosophically, yeah, it's true. We should want to get out of the material world. At the same time, at the end of the Isa Upanishad, the devotee is praying, my dear Lord, uh, at the time of death, please remember my devotional service, remember my pious activities, please forgive me for all that I have done. So, you know, I want to I wanna leave perfectly. I want to, as Prabhupada saying, I want to I prepare for death. So it seems like, okay, this is, this is good. Yam yam bhapi smaram bhavam. Perfection would be to, to think of Krishna at the time of death to die. We would say that's perfection. But fortunately, I came across a, a commentary on the Isopanishad. And in the commentaries, they were saying that these prayers at the end of Isopanishad, Krishna, let me see you. Krishna, remember me. Let me be in pure consciousness uh, when I die said, this is jnana, mishra, bhakti. So jnana, of course, jnana means knowledge. But generally, when we talk about knowledge, we also mean the jnanis are the ones who want liberation, or the impersonalist, or anyone who's practicing bhakti, anyone who's practicing spiritual life with the aim of becoming liberated, either from the material world or merging in Brahman, it's considered impure. It's not so. Mishra means mixed, and jnana means knowledge. And so, jnana mishra in this sense means mixed. It can be mixed with many things, but in this sense, it means mixed with the desire for liberation. So, it's not considered pure. Now, this this brings up an interesting question. So, if it's not considered pure, why would Prabhupada recommend it? And I have a godbrother who asked Prabhupada this very question. Should I 
should I desire to go back to Godhead or should I desire to stay in this world and serve? And Prabhupada said, no, you should desire to go back to Godhead. Now that seems to underscore this Gyanamishra Bhakti. So why would Prabhupada encourage someone in Gyanamishra Bhakti? Well, this is interesting because what is what is good or, or what is let's say pure what is considered pure bhakti this sounds funny to say this but I will say it and have to substantiate it what is pure bhakti can be artificial for someone on a certain level so if I say I just if I say, I don't want wealth, women, and followers, all I want, birth after birth is pure devotion. <clears throat> if I say that, or if you say that, if we say that, this is a question to you. If you say that, is that real for you? Is that exactly true? Is that how you feel at this moment? That in my heart of hearts, I don't care for money, I don't care for fame, I don't care for anything material. Dhanam, janam, followers, wealth, kavita, naram, sundari, beautiful women, and kavitam, the, the benefits that I could get from the beautiful poetry of the Vedas that would offer me material, something material, better material position. I don't want that, but, but instead all I want is pure bhakti. Now, my realization is, if you realize this, if this is where you're at, you would never ask that question, should we pray for liberation or should we not pray? Well, not liberation. We pray to get out of this material world and go back to Godhead. Or should we not pray? You would not ask that question. And the reason, excuse me, allergy season, the reason you would not ask that question is because you would be feeling nadanam, nadjanam, nasundari. You would actually have that realization. And if you have that realization, you wouldn't be confused about this. But if you don't have that, you would naturally get confused because uh, the Shastra says, well, we should desire to go back to Godhead. But who should desire to go back to Godhead? The ones who are not, com the ones who want the money, wealth, and fame, and so forth. Yeah, you should desire to go back to Godhead. Because if you don't, if you say, no, I just want to stay in the world, you just stay in the world to get more money, fame, and wealth. So when Prabhupada's saying, you should desire to go back to Godhead, that's at least for devotees who are not on the stage of Nista or Ruchi, or, or, or still have some connection with the material world. So it would be better, because of that desire, it would be better that you just desire to get out of this world. Krishna, save me, and focus on practicing to remember Krishna, so at the time of death you can remember Krishna. And of course, if you're on a higher level, you don't have to practice remembering Krishna. That's just your constitutional position, that you remember Krishna. So now you have to consider what level you're on. And if you're actually on the Nadanam, Nadjanam, Sundarin level, then naturally your thinking will be Krishna, whatever you want. I'm your servant. Take me wherever you want me to go to serve Prabhupada. 
that's it. That's what, that's what I want to do. And that's how you feel naturally. But if you're not on that level yet, it would still mean um, anartha nivritti, maybe even nishta coming in that area. Um, somebody's writing me. So then, yes, desiring to go back to God, and in all these verses we're reading how thinking of Krishna at the time is that that's the goal. So that's so Prabhupada's preaching to all these young devotees who just come out of the material world and he's saying, you should go back to Godhead in this life. You should think of Krishna at the time of death. You should live in such a way that you're preparing yourself to go back to Krishna. Because as we said yesterday, Prabhupada's mission was to go back to Krishna. Now, then you think, okay, there's this verse. It makes it more confusing. Krishna Tudiya Parapankacha Panchanantam. It's a beautiful verse. And King Kolak Shakar is saying, you know, now I'm in a sane state of mind, so I could think of you and just leave my body and go back to you. So this this is not a wrong sentiment, because it could also be generated from feeling separation. I feel separation in this world and I just want to be united. So it depends where that is coming from. And I think for a lot of us, there is kind of like this mood of I'm not happy here in the material world and I want to go back to Godhead. But the other side of that is, if I were actually happy here, I may not want to go back to Godhead. So obviously King Kulikshakar, King Kulikshakar is, that's not his mood. His mood is, let me, let me die and unite with you, Krishna, and serve you eternally. So the mood always has to be of service. Should we sing that song now? Can somebody put that up? Krishna Todiya. Tvadiya, T-V-A-D-I-Y-A, Krishna Tvadiya Pada Pankaja, Pancharantam. Can somebody find that? Krishna Tvadiya. I'm pretty sure that's how you spell it. I'm not a Sanskrit scholar, not even close. But I can search that and perhaps find it and somebody like Katie can put it up. Yeah, I was right. Maybe I'm a Sanskrit scholar. Krishna Tvadiya Pada Pankaja Pancharantam. Let me read the translation and maybe one of you can put it up. This is from the Mukunda Malastotra 33. So if you have Veda base, look for Mukunda Malastotra 33. This verse will come up. And then we can sing it together. Wow, people, he gets the prize. Okay. So, how do we keep, and then, well, okay, you're all bringing it up, yeah. So, how do we keep it on the screen so we can all see it? Okay, let me read the translation. I just, I just read this morning, wow, we're getting it everywhere. I just read this morning, there's something you could hit on Facebook if you want to invite your friends to class. And now, I just wanted to mention something. I don't know what it is. Maybe you know, maybe somebody knows. You hit something and then it says to your friends on Facebook, this, we're having a class, why don't you come? I was remembering this morning that when we lived in the temple, I was fortunate enough 
that Prabhupada was in Los Angeles for three months. So every day we would hear him give class. And that Bhagavatam class was like the theme song of the day. And the Bhagavatam class was so important because whatever was said in that class was just regurgitating, reverberating, resounding in our minds. And we were just going through it throughout the day. And then every day, new class. Even when Prabhupada wasn't there, it was just anyone who gave class, especially a good class. It was, it was just our whole day was reflection of what we heard. So Bhagavatam is very, Bhagavatam class is very important. So you can invite your friends. Okay, so here it's a translation. Oh Krishna, please allow my mind to immediately yield to your lotus flower feet, just as the flamingo. <laughs> this is a strange, where did you get this translation? Enters into the labyrinth of the lotus feet stem when at the moment of my last breath Uh, let's see. This is an interesting translation. When at the moment of my last breath, my throat becomes constricted by the action of the bodily airs, humors, and phlegm. How I really remember you. This might have been Dravida's translation, because he did the. He sang the translation. Yeah, that song was once popular. I recorded it in. I recorded it in. Uh, 1989. It's just okay. Should we sing it? Um, let me read what Prabhupada says about it, just to get us in the mood. There is an intimate relationship between the swan and the lotus stem. Well, let me read Prabhupada's translation. I pray that the swan of my mind may immediately sink down to the stems of your lordship and be locked in their network. Otherwise, at the time of my final breath, when my throat is choked up with cough, how it will be possible to think of you. Like he's saying, I, I, if I can die now, I'm supposed to think of you at death. I don't know if that's possible. My lungs will feel with blood or air or water, and then I won't be able to chant your name, but I can chant it now and die. There's an intimate relationship between the swan and the lotus stem, so the comparison is very appropriate. Without becoming a swan or paramhamsa, one cannot enter into the network stems of the lotus feet of the Lord, as stated in Brahma Samhita. The mental speculators, even by dint of learned scholarship, cannot even dream of the absolute truth by speculating it for over it for eternity. Mm. Mm. The humbleness of the pure devotee who is 100% engaged in the service in his service, puts the devotee of the Lord in trance by which to realize everything. That means Krishna puts the devotee in trance. Because of the sincere devotee of the Lord, because of the sincerity, the Lord reveals himself. Okay, there's not much exactly about the song, but we're going to sing it. Are you ready? Can we sing it together? So I'm not the only one.
since I seem to be croaking like a frog right now. And where did I put my pick? Here it is. So it goes, Krishna Tudiya Parapankacha Pancharantam Adyaiva Mevishatu Manasura Jahamsa Prana Prayana Samaye Kapavata Pitae Kandavaro Dhanavido Shmaranam Kutaste. That's how it goes. And just so you, you get an idea of the words, it's nice to know when you're singing. So I'm going to move this a little. That Krishna Tvadiya Pada Pankaja Pancharantam, that means your lotus like feet, Adyayava May Vishitu Manasaraja, may the swan of my mind, because swans drink from lotus, may the swan of my mind get entangled in your lotus feet. Prana, prana means life, life air, you know from yoga. Prana, prayana, breathing. Samaye kapabhata pita, kapabhata. Mucus bile and air, I'm going to be choking. Kandavaro, I'm choking. Vido, smaranam kutaste. Kuta means how. How I can smaranam. How, will I, how can I remember you? So better I die now. Of course, I don't know. There's a problem. If you're really serious about this prayer, you might, Krishna might actually answer it and you might die now. So there. I cannot take responsibility if that happens. Um, sign my mis my disclaimer here before we sing. Krishna can do anything, right? Now this is on my CD called Your Only Shelter. And if you go to Mahatma's music, dot com, no apostrophe, all my, practically all my music is there, and this song is there. So you sing with me. Krishna tudiya parapankacha pancharantam adhyayiva mevishtu manasurajahansa Kapavata pita Kandavara Danavidas Maranam Kutaste. I need help here. Krishna Tadiya Parapankacha Pancharanta Adhyayiva Mevishtu Mansaraja Hamsa Prana Samaya Kapavata pita one more time. Krishna Tudia Pada Pankacha Pancharantam Jaiva Mevishitu Manasuraja Hansa Prana Prana Samaya Kapavata Pita Hare Krishna. Did you feel it? Well, if you did, hmm.
Krishna might fulfill that desire. But that's a good point. I want to I want to remind you of what we said yesterday. You remember yesterday we were discussing the various various instances in which there were life and death situations uh, being discussed with Srila Prabhupada about devotees. We gave the example of Jayananda. We gave the example, remember this devotee took Babaji, Odalami? We gave that example that Prabhupada let him prepare for death by taking Babaji. He had told Jayananda, if you feel the, the fight against your leukemia is not worth it, you could give it up and just prepare to leave your body. And he, we have mentioned this other story in which Prabhupada had predicted World War III would come and the devotees were asking, well, what do we do? And Prabhupada was saying, what, you don't think you're going to die? And it was funny that Prabhupada said that because it's actually how the devotees were thinking. <laughs> They're actually thinking like that. Like, yeah, what do you mean there's going to be World War Three? You mean we're going to die? And, of course, for Prabhupada as a spiritual master who has who's repeatedly said, Prichet Maharaj had seven days, we don't know if we have seven moments, to see his disciples become a little concerned about dying like that when they should be more prepared was, I think, uh, a call for Prabhupada to say, okay, you know, What's you're going to die today or next year or whenever, so what's your problem? Basically, Prabhupada's saying. Sometimes I like to put Prabhupada's words into colloquial slang a little bit. So that's basically what he was saying. What You don't think you're going to die? What's your problem? Today, tomorrow. Okay, we know it's a problem, but the point of these classes is the point of these classes is to help us understand the reality and of what we're dealing with in this world. Because, as I said at the beginning of class yesterday, as a reminder, the psych our psychology is to kind of put reality into a closet if that reality doesn't work for us, or if that reality is discouraging or depressing or just not something we want to, it's not palatable. So obviously, anything which is extremely painful, we'd rather put in a closet and think about it later. And this is something that is probably maybe more than anything. This is the most painful thing to think about. Our immortality, the immortality of our loved ones, the fact that we're all not going to be here. And the fact that, the fact that everyone who's listening right now Let's say, okay, in about 80 years, none of us are even going to be here. Not one of us will. Maybe somebody who's going to live a long time who's very young. But other than that, none of us are going to be here. That's, that's a weird thought. Everyone in your temple, everyone at the Sunday feast, in 60, 70, 80 years, none of those people will be here. It's going to be all new faces. That's... That's strange to think about. And so sometimes something is so strange, so difficult to think about, we just don't want to think about it. And that's the problem. And so the point 
of me choosing this topic in this time when, when there are people, more people are dying than normally. So I was thinking after I gave class yesterday, I was thinking this is like so important to talk about this because it's so difficult and this is something we all have to deal with. And as we said, the test is the time of death. And it's like we don't want to study for the test. We don't want to think that there's a test. But this is the test that Prabhupada came to prepare us for. Basically, he's saying, look at it. You know there's this test and none of you are preparing for it. You're all preparing to just hang out here forever and try to be happy. And this test is everybody's going to go through it. So let's start preparing for it. And if you're going to prepare for it, you got to make time for it. And you have to give up certain things in order to prepare for it. And so let's do that. And that's the Hare Krishna movement. What It's preparing to get people out of the material world and send them back to Godhead. So that was a little bit of a summary of yesterday. And so now, if we continue reading uh, some of the things that we weren't able to read yesterday, I think it will make more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Prabhupada is you know, has told us, he's also told us that great fortune if you actually know you're going to die because then you can prepare. Um, okay, so I'm going to begin reading this a beautiful, beautiful quote. It's so important. I love this quote. I think this will help us a lot. This is from a letter to Mukunda in 1968, November 15th. Where were you November 15th, 1968? Some of you can't remember. It was a different body. But even in your different body, this was... The Hare Krishna movement was growing in America, growing roots. And the devotees had, uh, I think, it just got to England. And this is a letter to Mukunda. So don't be worried, do your best, and success or failure does not matter. Matter. So obviously they came to England and it was a challenge. Krishna is absolute, so there is no such thing as success or failure in Krishna consciousness. Or in other words, there is no question of failure in Krishna consciousness. Whatever we do, it is success. Whatever one may do in the material world, if even he is Rockefeller, it is all failure or defeat because it will not exist beyond this body. He does not know that life, that in the next life I may be a dog or cat, but whatever service we can do for Krishna, even if someone is not able to execute fully Krishna consciousness, whatever amount of service he does, it never goes in vain. It will remain eternally. And it will act. Even somebody does small amount of service and not even very willingly, still he is assured to get a human body in the next birth and chance to execute some service further. So, there is no question of failure in Krishna consciousness. It is only success. Krishna says, my devotee is never vanquished, so we must try sincerely, that's all. So, 
contextually, this is not exactly what we're talking about. But the point that I wanted to make is that in the material world, we're surrounded by people who define success in terms of position, in terms of wealth. You know how they define it. It's, you know, the, the social pressures are there about being successful. And we come up with this word loser. I don't know those of you who English is not your first language, but in American speaking, in English speaking countries, we have this word loser, and loser means someone who's not materially successful. So you see the guy, he's in an old car, the car's not running so well, it's bashed up, doesn't have a lot of money, lives in a little apartment. He may be this amazing person, he may be dedicating his life to maybe teaching children so he doesn't get much money and so forth, and people will look at him and say, he's a loser because he doesn't have a lot of money. Or he doesn't, you know, he's just a, he's like a kindergarten teacher. He's a guy, a loser. Of course, not everybody would say that, but it's a general, general phrase for people who are not very materially successful, who maybe have the potential to be or don't have the potential. And so, within that context, Prabhupada's saying, basically here, is saying, no, if you're Krishna conscious, you're not a loser, even if in this life you don't become perfect. Because you'll, because you'll get another chance. So any effort you make to be Krishna conscious, it's successful. And then Prabhupada makes this statement. This is so beautiful. Tattoo this statement to your brain. There is no question of failure in Krishna consciousness. Whatever we do, it is success. Why is it success? Because it's getting closer. It's helping you get closer to that final goal when you're going to think, be completely Krishna conscious and go back to Godhead. So if you make any advancement in your life, that's success. You remember we had celebrated my 50th anniversary. My, um, this is a letter to Mukunda, November 15th, 1968. It's not a purport. So my 50th initiation anniversary we celebrated a few weeks ago. And I was reflecting on the fact that I got to meet Srila Prabhupada around the third week of December 1969. And I had not moved into the temple. I moved into the temple maybe three weeks later. But I had decided to become a devotee and I was just returning the car I had to my parents and visiting them for Christmas. And the temple happened to be very close to where I was living. And I was reflecting on if at that point I didn't go any further in my Krishna consciousness, Still, my life would have been perfect because I got to see Prabhupada, I got to chant Hare Krishna, I got to read, by that time I read Gita twice. So you might say, well, how is it perfect? You didn't become perfectly Krishna conscious because I began my Krishna consciousness, therefore it's perfect, that's success. I say, but you, you didn't finish your university and you died so young and you could have been this and that. So what? I was this and that a million lifetimes before. So we have to remember that. So we've come into Krishna consciousness. Now our life's successful. It doesn't, you know, it, even if you didn't make any progress from this day onward, still your life's successful, successful because you'd be guaranteed that you would have the chance to be Krishna conscious in the next life. But of course, Prabhupada is always telling us perfected in this life, and we can do that. Um, yeah.
Okay, so here's, here's a little, here's something just to kind of add spice to the discussion. This is a letter to Himavati in 26th of April, 1970. And kind of a tangential topic, but I thought it would help add to the spice of this. Regarding your question, a sinful person, never mind what kind of sinful man he is, is taken in a subtle body to the place of Yamaraj. And there he is trained up in a particular type of suffering. As soon as he is trained up, he is given a particular body by which he can endure such suffering. So the way we've been told, uh, interesting, is that when you're being prepared for another life that's not human, you're put into a suffering condition to pay for your sins, but also to prepare you that I'll take anybody, just get me out of this suffering. So this was just in there to remind us how fortunate we are to, that we've taken a Christian consciousness and we don't have to undergo this situation. That is what Prabhupada has given to us. So here is a letter to Donavir, 24th August 1971. There's a, a professor who became a devotee, and I believe he died in an accident. I think he was in his 30s when he became a devotee. So he was one of the oldest people in our movement in 1971. Like 35. Old guy. Like really old. I was 21 at that time. So 35, that's old. That's, you know, like 14 years older than I was. That was almost double my life. So I knew about this man. I think his name was Ramanuja or Ramananda. So he died and the temple president is asking him, like, how do we understand this? So Prabhupada says, I was very shocked on hearing of the accidental death of Professor Dosa. I am sending here with one letter for his wife, which please hand over to her and give her all solace. Everything is under Krishna's control. Krishna is the supreme controller. Maya is only an instrumental agent. So this is important. If you're a devotee, everything is under Krishna's control. And it may look like it's under Maya's control, but Maya is just the agent acting according to Krishna's will, making arrangements for what Krishna wants. The example is given generally that in the rainy season, the rain falls down equally everywhere but on the ground, different seasonal plants and vegetables grow. Similarly, when the material world is created, it is set in motion by the Supreme Lord through the instrumental agency of Maya. But, according to different fruitive actions of different living entities, different phases of happiness and distress appear exactly as after the rainfall, there are varieties of vegetables. So everything takes place according to one's past individual karma. But those who are in Krishna consciousness, their resultant action of karma becomes summarized. I think <laughs> summarized. I think Prabhupada means minimized. So, because summarized means to minimize something, right? Professor Dosa took initiation or shelter of Krishna. He will always be protected. In the next life, he will get birth in a very good devotee's house so that from the beginning of life, he will get a chance to devote himself So you, to Krishna consciousness. You might say, well, why didn't he go back to Godhead? Because 
I think he may not have even been initiated a year, and then he died. So he wasn't mature yet in Krishna consciousness. So Prabhupada's just making an assumption that because he wasn't mature, a very young devotee, at least to get an opportunity to continue. This is the observation from the Shastra angle of vision that he'll take birth in the devotee family. So no one should be agitated for sudden death of Professor Dosa. He is always blessed. Now he will get a very good chance for advancing in Krishna consciousness, be sure. So if a devotee dies, that this has to be the way we think, that he is blessed, he is protected, his life was successful, he became Krishna conscious. That was the best thing that could ever happen to him. Krishna is taking care of him. Either he's now in Krishna Leela or he's now again a devotee. Like sometimes I, I joke with devotees and I see, you know, like younger devotees. Even not so young, but I'm getting up there. So everybody's young for me. And I say, I wonder if we were God brothers and God sisters in our last life, because it's very possible, because you're 20 or 30 years old, and that means there's 40, 50 year difference, so you could have died 40, 50 years ago, and I, um, if you died 40 years ago, it means we could have been together for 10 years. We could have been traveling Sankirtan partners. It's just an interesting thought. And now you're back in ISKCON to do your service. The letter before this was Mukunda, a letter to Mukunda, November 15th, 1968, yeah, which defines success. Right. So let me read these last few lines, because this is beautiful. Um, Ipo, if you want to put it up there. This one is 24th August 1971, letter to Donavir. He will be protected. In the next life, he will get birth in a very good devotee's house so that from the beginning of life, he will get a chance to devote himself to Krishna consciousness. This is the observation of the Shastra, angle of vision. So no one should be agitated for the sudden death of Professor Dosa. He is always blessed. Now he will get a very good chance for advancing in Krishna consciousness. And the letter before that was about preparing, preparing to go back, uh, going to Yamaraj and preparing for the next life. That was Himavadi, 26th April. So this is a beautiful letter, and, and we were talking yesterday how fortunate we are that Prabhupada has given us this vision, the Gita has given us this vision, so that we can deal with the loss. In fact, I'm sitting here in my office, and my mother-in-law was trying to get in touch with my wife, maybe a year ago or nine months ago. My wife wasn't picking it up, so she called me and I said hello. And she said, 
Anthony, which is her son, my brother-in-law, was found dead on the floor. He's probably like 55. It's like, like, who would wake up in the morning thinking, and we were with him like a week before that or two weeks before that. Just, you know, went down to visit and like that. So, you know, it's, it's as we know, it's so unexpected. But we're so fortunate to have this knowledge. And so we're very, I would say we're very unfortunate if we don't take advantage of this knowledge. You know, we lament like everyone else. So there's a, there's a way to lament, there's a Christian conscious way to lament when we lose the association of devotees. We feel that, bang our head against the wall. That's there in the Vaishnava poetry. I bang my head against the wall. We sing that song of separation on the appearance day of Gretacharya. So we're feeling that separation. But philosophically, we understand that there's nothing to lament for. And then Prabhupada dropped a bomb and he said, actually, separation from the spiritual master is better than being with him. It's the relationship is closer and more intense. That takes some time to realize. Okay, I just wanted to read a little more and then we can take questions or have discussion. This is a letter to Patita Uduran, 15th November, 1971. It's talking about a devotee named Jananivas. And apparently they, he and another devotee named Will, this is not our Jananivas in Mayapur, were in an accident and left their bodies. I have noted especially your description of the unfortunate accident which took place and which took away our friends Janani Vastas Brahmachari and Will Prabhu. So on one side, we have to be very sorry if our dear friends are taken away from the world. And on the other side, we should be satisfied that a pure devotee is never lost. So now here Prabhupada's making the same point. And this letter is nice because you know in the Gita it says a wise man never laments for the living or the dead. And Prabhupada is not quoting that. But Prabhupada is empathizing with the reality that obviously we're going to be affected by their loss. But then he's trying to shed, he's sympathizing or empathizing with how they are feeling but then shedding light on uh, that they're, they engage in devotional service, so their life is glorious. So on one side, we have to be very sorry if our dear friends are taken away from this world. And on the other side, we should be satisfied that a pure devotee is never lost. He gets another good chance to cultivate Krishna consciousness. Or if one is advanced, he goes back home, back to Godhead. But even if it is taken that a devotee is not mature, so because sometimes you don't know. I was just, uh, I was, I think this was a comedian. Yeah, it was a comedian. It was like a Christian comedian. And he said, you know, when you go to a Christian funeral, no matter how the person lived, no matter what they did, they all say, oh, Uncle Harry, he's in heaven now. And this guy was um, 
saying something which I think we've all thought of. Say, really? So-and-so's in heaven? But there's, there's no way that so-and-so should have gone to heaven. But of course, that's the politically correct thing to say within the Christian context. Well, he was a Christian or so-called and he went to church and so-called accepted Jesus. So our philosophy is he's gone to heaven. But when you actually study his life, hmm, hmm, I don't see how they let him in there the way he lived. But our philosophy is not all or nothing. Our philosophy is you engage in devotional service and your next birth is going to be either an aristocratic family, wealthy family, you don't have to worry about money so you can focus on spirituality, you have the time, or in a devoted family. And Prabhupada says here, and if you're mature, you'll go back to Krishna, which is really good news, and we had discussed this yesterday that sometimes we lament, but if a devotee is very advanced, why would we, why would we lament? I mean, you know, let's turn it around. Somebody's older and they leave their body, so this sounds insensitive, but let's look at it philosophically. Somebody's older, they leave their body. Okay, it's an old body, you know, they can't really dance in the kirtan, they, they can't serve like they used to, their mind's not sharp like it used to be. Kind of painful carrying around that body. If they could leave that body, material body, get a spiritual body, why would we lament? Well, we don't lament for them, we lament for our loss. But as Prabhupada said, Separation is actually better. There's more intense remembrance in separation. So if we can understand things this way, then, well, I'll give you an example. Like my godbrother, as you know, our godbrother about, was it a year ago? Yeah. Two years, a year, year and a half ago, our godbrother, Gunnar Grimarsh, left his body. So Gunnar Grimarsh and I we're very close. And Gunnar Grimarsh and I, and Gunnar Grimarsh, um, I would go to Vrindavan and see him, and I would tell him about what I'm doing, and he was so happy. He was so happy. And he would tell me that. He said, you know, I can't go out and preach, but I'm so happy you're doing this. And I would go to Argentina, his preaching field, and so on and so forth. And so a lot of times when I'd be preaching, and we'd be doing a program, I'd think, Gunagarmarsh would be so happy right now. Or I'd be thinking, should I do this or should I do that? I'd thinking, what would he do? Or what would he like? So I'm thinking about that more than when he was even alive. Like I'm more, con of course, you could say, but you can't talk to him and this and that. Yeah, that's true. But I can still get that inspiration from him by thinking about him and thinking how he encouraged me and he, he wants me to do this and he wants me to go on and, and think of all the preaching that he did and how successful he was. So, and Prabhupada said, separation is better. And that's something that can take decades sometimes to realize that separation is better because you're actually closer in separation. And, and what Prabhupada meant is actually there isn't separation. You're never separated. Because in remembrance of the Vaishnavas, and especially the Guru, and especially in service to the Guru, you're never separated. You're always together. I was just with uh, 
disciple of Tamar Krishnamurti, who was running the Dallas Temple for many, 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 many years. And he is so Tamar Krishnamurti's conscious because he got so much training from him. So you could see that Tamar Krishnamurti is, is like more in his life than ever because those instructions that he got from him have, have proven to be like uh, lifesavers in so many situations. So there's never separation, but we, we think there is. Okay. Let me read this. But even if it is taken that a devotee is not mature, we should be confident that he will take birth in a rich or devotional family. So their human life in a very good position is guaranteed. A devotee's position is always better than an ordinary karmi's position. Karmis do not know what is the next life. But devotees know it as certain as anything that he's going to have a nice human form of body. So let us pray for the departed souls so that they may be engaged in Krishna's service again. Now you might say, wait a minute, Prabhupada said they will be engaged, so why should we pray? Well, it's interesting that when you pray for departed souls, it's actually more for you so that you can serve them. It's a lot of times, you think, I should have served them more, now they're gone. And so here's your chance to serve them. You, know, you offer a feast in their honor, you pray for them and so on. But, and it's also the heart of a devotee that we would pray to Krishna that please take care of them. So, um, now I'm going to go back and read your questions. We have more we can read tomorrow. I don't, I don't, I think, I don't think we can read too much about this topic and what I was thinking this morning before class was how important it is to discuss this because the more we discuss it, essentially what we're doing by discussing this is avoiding the problem of not thinking about the thing we don't want to think about, which is leaving the body. And as we get older, we don't know how long we're going to live. And even if we live a good, ripe life, like into our late 80s, well, some devotees are already 80 years old, so that means only eight years. And so they know that. They know they know they're not going to live longer, and it's, it's not always something we want to think about. And even if you're younger, you ultimately you don't know. So by talking about this, at least we're confronting something, discussing something that really needs to be discussed, and something we don't really like discussing because because it's, it's so difficult to deal with, our own leaving our body and others leaving their body. It's really, it's really difficult. And you know even the thought of it is difficult. And, and uh, discussing it is so important because Prabhupada wanted us to face it, to understand it, to not lament about it, to prepare for it, to deal with it in any way we, we can. Of course, we like births and we like marriages because it's all about growing. And funerals are not, not generally considered the happiest places. But one thing you may have experienced is that a devotee's funeral is beautiful and glorious because we get to talk about their glorious activities and their activities are purifying. And we realize how valuable their life was by the grace of Prabhupada and their guru. And so rather than lament, 
It's quite a celebration in the glory that the fact that in this birth you became a devotee, and obviously you're not going to live forever, but you became a devotee. That's amazing. You did so many amazing things. So why should we lament? Okay, you could live longer, do more service, be here for us. Yes, that obviously that's there. But the fact is you became a devotee. You got Prabhupada's mercy. That's glorious. So whatever happens after that, whether you die today, tomorrow, 10 years, 20 years, okay, you can do more service, but your life is glorious anyway. And whatever little service you did is glorious. And these devotees were probably in the movement a year before they left their body, or two years maximum. And Prabhupada is not, is, is showing the bright side of all this. He's not at all saying, you know, this is horrible, this is bad, this world is so, like we would, oh, the world is so bad, it's so cruel. Prabhupada is just glorifying devotional service, saying, this is glorious, they became devotees. And I think we all need to think that way. And it, it makes it much easier to cope with our own immortality and the immortality of others. That we miss their association, but their life is glorious. So we're going to go back. I'm going to go back to the top and try to find your questions or comments. So give me a second because first we go through the names, the prayers. Krishna Turiya. There's a beautiful, you know, Prabhupada sang this Krishna Turiya part, the Pankaja. And Havi Prabhu, he took Prabhupada singing, there was no instrument in it, and he put piano to it. And maybe you can find that, or I will try to find it tomorrow and we could play it. It's beautiful. It's amazing. You know, because when Prabhupada sings, the emotion of his realization is coming through his singing. Krishna Karshani is saying, well, you know, if we were serious about this song, Krishna will fulfill our desire and let us just leave our body. Okay, everyone, we're sitting here, we're thinking of Krishna, Krishna, let me leave my body. But, Really, the attitude of the devotee is, Prabhupada, whatever you want, you want me to live, you want me to die, I'm just here for your service. That is, that is a mood we want to cultivate. Whether we have that mood yet, that is another question. But that's the ultimate, where we, that's the ultimate direction we want to go to. We want to get there somehow. Um, so, I know there are some comments, questions here. Okay, Satya Rupa says, I've read all of Prabhupada's books more than once, but I could never read Mukundamala Stotra. Now I'm thinking maybe it's because I'm scared of death. It's possible. Because, because anything, obviously we don't want to face it. It's hard to even think about what to speak or read about it. So, Kundamala Stotra, 
I think it, it gives it gives support to what we're talking about because he's a king. He has a very opulent, beautiful life, but he's saying, I could give up this body and, and you know, okay, let, let's go back. Satyarupa, why did you get that body? The body you have, why did you get it? You got that body to enjoy materially. Now you've understood that really the real reason for that body is to serve Krishna. Now you could get a spiritual body and serve Krishna eternally. But now here you're serving Krishna in this body. You could actually serve better in a spiritual body. So why would you be afraid of that? To get that. Or you could serve better in, in a body born in the family of devotees in your next life. So why would we be afraid of death when for us death is just a promotion to a better position? That's how we should think. Now we've become Krishna conscious. Dying is a huge promotion. There's no fear of falling down, but only going up. And if I can get an opportunity to, to be in Leela with Krishna, well, if it's today, that's better than in 10 years. But if, of course, if my Guru Maharaj of Prabhupada wants me to stay here and serve, that's fine, I'm willing to do that. But if not, and I have to leave my body, then what an opportunity to, to increase my service. That's how we have to see it. Then there won't be fear. There'll be happiness. Kamaniya, maybe we were doing Sankirtan again. Six weeks away from taking birth in 1971. No, you could all like find out the dates when different devotees left their body and then add nine months and go, oh, maybe I'm that devotee. Katie knows who she was in her last life. At least she, she thinks she was. Um, she looks like that person. Um, who knows? Those devotees have to go somewhere. And one devotee was saying, he said, look at, Prabhupada started the Krishna conscious movement from scratch in the West. Now, 520 million books have been distributed around the world up to this point, I believe. <clears throat> Millions of people are becoming Krishna conscious. So all these people are going to get opportunity to take up Krishna consciousness. So next generations are going to have more Krishna conscious people because more Gyatasukriti, more devotees, again, taking up devotional service. So it's all good, right? I was wondering yesterday that maybe we as devotees are still afraid of death because we think we're not enough Krishna conscious to come back to Krishna. And the reason of fear is that we are not sure how our future back. Not sure how our future will look like, and even if we will be a devotee and still again have undergone all stages of life and experience of problems relating to this, these stages. If we will be 108% sure we're going back to Krishna, there will be no fear and we will be excited. Well, how will you be sure? It's faith in the Lord's problem. So it seems fear is coming from uncertainty. Why should you be uncertain when you have? Faith in Prabhupada's words. At least my fear is coming 
from feeling of uncertainty. So, yeah, so now this topic is activating some fear. But there may be uncertainty whether you're going back to Godhead, but there's no uncertainty whether you will continue devotional service. So that is, when Krishna says, surrender, I'll protect you, that's what it means. Like you've, we had this discussion, um, I don't know if you were there in Mayapur, we had this discussion because Aditi Mataji was, was asking this question a lot because her health isn't good. And there is some prediction that if she didn't, you know, there could be some problem with her health, serious problem with her health in the coming months. And she was you know, asking, how do I deal with this? And I was saying, once you surrender to Krishna, then it's like, okay, you know, let go. It's like the you know, bungee jumping or something. You're tied up, just jump, let go. Don't try to hold on to anything. We have to have that attitude. So I'm not so concerned exactly what my future will be because I know that if I give myself to Krishna in his service, spreading this mission, that he will take care of me. Okay, here's a story I heard yesterday. Two stories, and I think it'll help answer your question. Don't go away, these are good stories. Bhakti Siddhanta invited the, who was he, the governor of Bengal. He was, he was the second highest man in India. He came to Mayapur, he wined and dined him, literally whining, wine and dine with meat. He arranged meat because he knew that's that what, what the person would eat. And the devotees were like, how can you do this? It's going to contaminate the temple. And he was saying, we have to engage everybody. Somehow or other, we have to engage everybody in Krishna's service. We have to think of how to do it. And this is how he's going to be engaged. And he's such an important person, etc., etc. And then he said, I've been thinking about this for 10,000 lifetimes. Hmm, interesting, right? Somehow or other, he, that governor didn't eat the meat because he, he thought that the people who prepared it, you know, it was prepared in Calcutta, could have poisoned it. And he ate the prasadam. But that's a side issue. But the issue was that Bhakti Siddhanta felt that to get him to come and satisfy him and make a relationship, he had to feed him what he ate, what, he, what was his diet. And he was willing to do that as the highest principle. So, story doesn't end there. Prabhupada is sending devotees to preach in the communist countries. And this was very, very dear to Prabhupada, preach in communist countries. So the devotees say, you know, we've been to the communist countries, if we go there and stay there and try to preach, there's nothing to eat. We would have to eat meat. And then Prabhupada said, then, then if that's what you have to do to preach there, then eat meat. Wow. Gets better. Don't go away. Gets better. That's heavy enough, right? Shock. 
What a shock. And then the devotee said, but if I eat meat, what about my conscience? What it will do to my consciousness? And Prabhupada said, damn your consciousness. Like, in other words, spreading Krishna consciousness is so important. Spreading Krishna consciousness in the communist countries is so important that we'll make so much sacrifice to do it. So you don't think if you're making that sacrifice to spread Krishna consciousness, you're giving your life to Krishna's service, that he's that you have something to worry about, he's not going to take care of you. Of course he'll take care of you. So that's how we think. So that's why we're not afraid of death, because we know it's like we've just bungee jumped, but the cord, Krishna's got the cord. So it's just, it's going to be beautiful. And then we have to think that way. Because that's what Prabhupada says, that's what the scripture says, so we have to think that way. It's just how it is. And so that, that gives you the feeling of being sheltered. Right? So you have shelter, so you don't have to worry. There's nothing to worry about. You give yourself to Krishna, Krishna says, don't worry, I'll take care of you. Prabhupada's guaranteeing will, our birth will, go, will be born, and worst case scenario, a wealthy family will be inclined to Krishna consciousness, we won't have to work, everything will be there. Or we'll be born as devotees, or if we're more Krishna conscious, we'll be we'll go back to Godhead. Or we'll go to Krishna Leela. So that was just a question of your faith. Do you actually believe in what Prabhupada said? Because if you do, then everything is there's nothing to worry about. Observing my parents leaving their bodies, I realized how difficult it may be to remember Krishna at the point of death. So I can understand why King Kulachakar prayed to leave his body when he was still in good condition. There was a story from the life of Ramanuja Acharya in which it was said that Krishna would remember us if we were unable to, to do that. Could you please elaborate on it? I know that Prabhupada said that. I don't know the story, but Prabhupada said, you know, you dedicate your life to Krishna. If, if we forget Krishna at death, he'll remember us. So, this is, we met Prabhupada. Prabhupada told us to surrender to Krishna, told us to engage in devotional service. We have faith in that. We do that. We give ourselves. We have full faith that if we do this, everything will be there. Because, because there are other issues surrounding this. Well, will I realize if I just, you know, do Sankirtan like this and serve Prabhupada, will I realize my constitutional position, who I am in Krishna Leela, and how will that come? And will I, you know, there's so many questions come. And the answer is yes, you don't have to worry. You follow Prabhupada's instruction. You don't have to worry. And it said, but Prabhupada, it says in the Shastra that. You have to follow a resident of Vrindavan. That's called Raghavanuga Bhakti. And Prabhupada said, I am that resident of Vrindavan. And in the time of Bhakti Vinod Thakur, they would give people the mantra. So you chant this mantra, and, and this will reveal who you are. And they tell them, you're a gopi or a gopa, and this is your dress and your service and so forth. And that was stopped. And they said to Bhakti Siddhanta, so what's your Siddha Pranali mantra? And he said, 
Trinata Pisunichina. In other words, he meant if you chant in a humble state of mind, then through the Baha Mantra, Krishna will reveal your Swarup, who you are. So the point is that if you give yourself to the mission of helping other people be Krishna conscious, you follow Prabhupada's instructions, you don't have to worry. Just everything will happen. Otherwise, you'll have to worry about a lot of things. There's plenty to, if you want to worry, there's plenty of things to worry about. But if you're Krishna conscious, nothing to worry about. All right? Now, I heard today, I watched a video before class. If you hit the little wow, is there a wow thing you can hit? I don't know, a smiley face wow, I don't know what it is. Somebody hit the, is there a wow? Like I say something, you go, wow. Well, if you hit a wow, then it shares more people, the video gets shared more to people on your list. Is that the wow? So everybody should hit a wow. And the more comments you make, the more it gets shared. And of course, you can invite people. So, you know, they should have a big Bhagavatam class every day. Wow, wow, all your friends are going to be here tomorrow. Yes. 41 wows coming right up. Yeah, that's the... Um, yes. Okay, let's see if there's anything else. Shravani says, well, my parents were not devotees. Shravani's father just left his body like, I don't know how many days ago, four days ago. And her mother had died a few months before that, so she's got a lot of realization. My parents were not devotees, however, a few months before I saw a devotee on the verge of death in a Polish hospital. It was difficult to arrange anything for him. Maybe in a hospice it would have been easier, but not in a regular hospital. Yeah, well, she's asking what we can do about it. I just found out that getting a lot of wows now. Wow. Should have given all the wows when I played the guitar. Wow, he's playing guitar. This is controversial. Um, devotees are opening a hospice in Tucson, Arizona. It's a start and have a hospice in Vrindavan. And yeah, we need. And the obvious reason that we don't have it is because 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have a lot of older people, so it wasn't an issue. And we're acting maybe a little too late about it, but there is some consciousness. And in lieu of that, we have to do our best to take care of one another. What else can we do? These are realities. You know, this brings up another point, which is I could go on for another hour, but we never had the consciousness of hospice because we didn't have old people, so we didn't have representation of older people on the GBC who would have brought these ideas in. And so when you don't have representation of different demographics, you don't get a clear picture. And we tend to have older men, very qualified, very Krishna conscious, and that gives one angle of vision. But we need younger men, we need younger women, older men, older women, middle-aged men, middle-aged women, American, African, European, South American. We need broad representation. And and the broader the representation, the more input we get from that demographic of what is important for them. 
So just a note, if you have any control of the situation in your local community where you have a temple board, try as best you can to have many various groups of people from young to old, male, female, in different countries, if that's possible. It's, it's very important because they represent they represent contingency con, const what's the word? Con, const my brain is dead. Contingencies? That's not a word. It's not contingencies. Const Yeah, I don't have the word. Someone has the word out there. Can someone write the word for me? Constant. I can't. I can't come. The group of people you represent. Um, Sayan Prabhupada, Vrindavan Prabhupada left his body. I was on Sankirtan. I was managing the Sankirtan party. Many things we can do for a devotee or non devotees. A couple of weeks ago, one Prabhupada. Um, Oh, yeah, I read that. Death is a going away party to a better place. How can women prepare for death? Same way men prepare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Here and chant about Krishna and appreciate devotees. I was thinking this morning. Devotee is one who glorifies Krishna and glorifies devotees. That's it. And I was reading the story this morning about the Shiva Jvara, the story of the killing of Banasura, because if you read that story, you won't get a fever. So I don't want to get a fever, so I read the story. What a motivation to read it. And so the Shiva Jvara is a weapon thrown by Lord Shiva, and it was very hot, and Krishna threw his Narayana Jvara. Vishnu Shvara, it was very cold, and it was so cold, it was burning Shiva Shvara, and Shiva Shvara went to take shelter. He was going to die, and he went to take shelter, and he glorified Krishna. And I thought, that's it. That's it, glorifying Krishna, and glorifying the devotees. That's it. That's what you do. And if you are not glorifying devotees, in other words, you're talking ill about devotees, well, that's wasted breath and energy because you should be glorifying them. And that's how we prepare to die. Glorifying the devotees and glorifying Krishna. Now, I hope Satyarupa and Krishna Karshini are ready to die. They have no problem. They're like totally like, no problem. I'm in Krishna's hands. Nothing to worry about. It seems that I have no choice that to come back to Krishna this lifetime. I just realized that recently my guru, Indijuna Swami, told me that I will come back to Krishna this lifetime for all the service I get. Okay, so if he tells you that, what do you worry about? And personally, and he is praying to Prabhupada for me to come to the spiritual world. Personally, wow. Of course, I don't deserve it, but Gurudev is just kind of, well, nothing to worry about. Comments and hearts are making live videos more visible. Yeah, more comments. I just, uh, 
25 days of, oh, your parents died 25 days apart, wow. So you really have a lot of experience what we're talking about. We should go for another hour tomorrow. I, I so much appreciate you saying that regarding representation. What did I say? I forgot. Uh, you're putting it in the context, but I don't remember what I say. Representation. Remind me. Cons yeah, constituencies. That's it. What are you saying about representation? Oh, now I remember, yeah, that we should represent. Um, yeah, it's so important. It's so important. I had a realization about this because I was with an Indian devotee and he was saying that India is changing so rapidly and most of the leaders are older and they're in an older paradigm. They're in the paradigm of the way it has been. And he said, but it's changed and we need younger people to bring that to the leadership so they understand to get that influence. Constituencies represent, yeah, it's so important. I think it's obvious, isn't it? Constituents, constituencies. That's the word, brain. I need my head examined. Katie says, I meant in terms of attachment to children and children and husband. Well, the thing is, when it's time to go, we're going to have to give up all attachment. It's just, we have to. That's the consciousness we have to be in. And we have to become attached to Krishna. And the more we're attached to non-Krishna, we become less attached to Krishna, vice versa. So that's just, everything you're learning now in Krishna consciousness is to prepare you for that detachment. Will you be speaking every morning? Yes. Every morning, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Okay. We're going to end here. It's a long time, hour and a half. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow. Hare Krishna.